All right, kids, time to come on up. Come on over, guys. Find somewhere to sit. Ready to listen. All right, good to see everyone again this morning. All right, find a spot to sit, and then real quiet, ready to listen. All right, so this morning to start off with, I have a special word for you today, all right? Here it is. What does that say? Honor. Honor. The word honor means to think of someone with great respect and to treat someone with great respect, to show honor. So you honor with the way you think about somebody, with your thoughts, as well as with your actions, how you act towards that person. Honor. So in the Bible, there are many people that we are told to honor. First and foremost, we are to honor God, right? He's worthy of honor. We are to honor Him. We are told to honor Jesus Christ the Lord. So we are to think of them with high respect and act towards God with a high level of respect. But there's others in the Bible that we are told to honor. We are to honor elders, the men who lead our church, well, right, who shepherd and teach and pastor. We're to honor elders. We're to honor widows, older women whose husbands have died and don't have others to care for them. We are to honor them, the Bible says. We are to honor one another within the church, right? So I'm to honor you, and you're to honor me, and we're to honor everyone who's here. Honor one another in the church, and we're told even to honor the emperor, the top government official, the, the person who's in charge of the whole land. So we don't have an emperor, well, God ultimately, yeah, but even the the government officials. So who's our top government person in our country? Yeah. It's... <laughs> you guys are awesome. Yes, God is. He is sovereign over us in every way. So how about in our government, God has appointed a man to lead our government of our whole country. Who is that? The president, right. So we are to honor the emperor, or in our country, honor the president, right, because of his position. Yep, principals at school are good to honor too, yep. So there's lots of people that the Bible tells us we are to honor. But the Bible also speaks specifically to you children about who you should honor. Do you know who that is? Who else are children to honor in the Bible? Yeah, your parents, father and mother. Children, honor your father and your mother. So you are to honor them. Now remember, the word honor means to think of someone and act towards them with a high level of respect, right? That's how we, you are to honor your father and your mother. So let's consider some examples. Would it be honoring for you if you give your dad a hug when he comes home from work? Yeah, that'd be honoring. Would it be honoring if you ask your mom if she could play with you? Yeah, that would be honoring. Would it be honoring if you get angry for dad because he's busy and asks you to have some patience with him? No, that wouldn't be honoring, would it? How about if you pout when your mom asks you to do a chore? Would that be honoring? No. Would it be honoring if, your dad, if you ask your dad to pray for you at bedtime? That would be honoring, right? Would it be honoring if you argue with your dad when he says it's time to do your homework? No, that wouldn't be honoring, would it? Would it be honoring if you obey your mom and dad right away with a good attitude? That would be really honoring, wouldn't it? Yeah. Work, 
working hard at school. Yeah, those are good honoring things. So when you honor your father and your mother, do you know what else? You are also honoring God because you're obeying God. You're obeying God's word and you're living according to God's way. So when you honor your mom and dad, you're also honoring God at the same time. So it's like a double, double bonus there. All right. There's lots more we could say. I know you guys have lots of thoughts. You can share those with your mom and dad after the service. Right now, Pastor Jeremy's going to come. But when he comes, I want you guys to really listen to as much of the message as you can because his topic is going to be about children. All right? So you go back and have a seat, but listen really well to Pastor Jeremy, okay? Kids, this is a sermon aimed directly at you. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about husbands and wives. Last week, fathers and Mothers this week, children, and we're focusing mainly on purpose and duties. But I want to start with moms this morning, if I could. Uh, I read this week in a book that I highly recommend to all you, Room and Board or Bed and Board or something like that, by uh, Father Capon, C-A-P-O-N. In it, he talks about mothers, and mothers don't just make a home, they are home. Moms don't just create a a place, they are the place. And uh, and because of that, they in their very souls and bodies kind of bear deeply all of the things that are going on in their kids' lives in a way that no one else does. And because of this, mothers, I know, I know you, you're often really fearful and discouraged about what's going on with your kids and what's going to happen with your kids. And so we've been talking a lot about the home, and we're going to talk a lot about kids, and the temptation will be for you to hear what we said the last two Sundays and this Sunday and be more discouraged and more fearful Because you're very aware of all of your failures. You're very aware of all that you could be doing more. Uh, And you really are scared of how your kids are going to turn out. And I I just want to encourage you, Mom. You're you're doing long-term gardening work. It's not a short-term deal. You're not going to fix anything tomorrow. And you're not going to screw anything up today. Just have faith for the fruit-bearing work that you've given yourself to in heart and soul. And so God is very patient with us. God uses us in all of our good and all of our bad. And so just keep going, Mom. It'll be all right. It'll be okay, Um, but I just don't want you to get too overwhelmed with all of this. But kids, this this one's aimed directly at you, young and old, Um, from Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. And so I do hope and pray and expect that you give me your attention here this morning. This is vital for you. This is God himself addressing you. I want to read this, I want to give you a few thoughts on it, and then I want to apply this very directly to your 
lives. So Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Let's pray. Father, teach us now, especially children, the way of your statutes, that they may keep it to the end. Give them understanding that they may keep your law and observe it with their whole hearts, delighting in it, that you would give them long life. In Christ's name, amen. So in this text, of course, we have a pastor addressing children directly. And so this is a reason for things like children's ministry and youth ministry in the church that doesn't involve the parents directly addressing the children, but giving them to other authorities in the church to address them. But here we have God speaking directly according to age and season of life, kids, and giving you your duty. So kids, your simple duty, the one command addressed specifically to you is that you obey your parents and honor your father and mother. He even tells you why, because this is right. This is right according to nature. It's right according to God's command. It's right because God says so in the fifth commandment in the Bible. And it's right because there's a great promise attached. There is a great promise attached of uh, it going well with you and you living long in the land. So this promise is still for you. And I want to uh, explain the details of this duty for you. Again, one of the things that we want to be in our church for you is helpful. And the way for pastors and elders to be helpful to you is to get very specific. Specific enough where you get frustrated because you, you can't, like, wiggle off the hook because it's been very clearly spelled out for you. I know your nature because I have the same nature. And one of the ways that I like to wiggle off the hook is where it's vague enough where I have leeway to be disobedient to it. I don't want to do that to you. And so we're going to try not to. But first, let me just talk about this term, right. This is right. It's a term applied to model or good citizens, upright, honest, law-abiding. It's a term that means fair or just. And so, you know, children, that others watch you, others observe you, and the way that you have a good reputation is mainly how you treat your parents. And so if somebody is a citizen in our land and others see him or her doing good work, working hard, contributing, we, we say that they're good, they're right, they're upright, they're good citizens. The way that you get that kind of reputation is mainly how you relate to your parents. So the most important thing in your life is your relationship to your parents. In, in one way, I want you to praise God because God doesn't give you 3,000 commands for you to make sure you get it. He gives you one, really, at your age. Just do this one thing well. This is it. God keeps it very simple, very practical for you. 
Now, you'll realize as you get older in your life, there's more responsibility given. There are more duties given. But at your age, in your parents' home, there's really just one. That's it. Honor your father and mother. Obey them. That's how you gain a good reputation. That's how you'll get more responsibility. That's how you'll get lifted up in the eyes of others, just by how you relate to your parents. All right, so how? How? Notice that he says, obey your parents in the Lord. So he is here addressing children growing up in a Christian household. At least one parent is a believer. He is here exhorting you to be Christian in the Lord. This means a few things. It it means that you are genuinely Christian. If you've been doing our Bible reading program, kids, I do hope you're reading the Bible every day. You shouldn't have parents who have to constantly be on you about it, only do it if they ask you to. I want to urge you to create the habit on your own because you love the Lord, because you see that his word is his, to read the Bible regularly. We have a Bible reading program that many of us do at the church, and this past week we were in Matthew, and we read Matthew 25, and there is a a parable there urging, uh, especially the Jews, I think, especially in light of the coming destruction of Jerusalem, to get ready in Matthew 25, to be prepared, to be living as if the reality that God was going to come and bring judgment and to live in light of that coming judgment, to be ready. And so, kids, the first and most important duty in honoring your parents is to honor the God of your parents and to realize that you have sin. What's sin, guys? Kids, what's sin? What is sin? It's not rhetorical. If you don't know what rhetorical means, ask your older sibling. It means I want an answer. Huh? What's sin? Liam, what's sin? Add a boy. Way to go, Liam. It's something bad you think, say, or do, and it's something bad is defined by Scripture. Liam, do you have sin? Yeah, Nolan knows he does. That a boy, Nolan. <laughs> and so, kids, you you're, you have sin. Do you hate your sin? Do you hate it? I'm gonna move on to somebody else now, Nolan and Liam. <laughs> the first thing in becoming a Christian, kids, is that you hate your sin. That you despise it. That you see it as if mom had prepared a rotting deer carcass and put it on your plate. That it's that gross to you. That you fear it is, you might fear an intruder coming into your house. That you fear God so much that you don't want to sin anymore. That you feel the weight of your sin. And so do you. If you do hate your sin, then that will cause you to love the only Savior. In the Lord means that you are in the Lord because you see your sin, you see your sin before a holy God, you hate it, and so you love the Savior. 
the only Savior who can save you from your sins. None can save you but Christ. And that your heart is truly loving the Savior. That you don't just go through motions. That your hearts aren't far from Him. That you only do Christian things when others are watching. But you're truly a Christian with a heart that loves Jesus Christ because you know that He only has saved you from all of the stupid, wicked, awful things that you do. The thoughts that you think, the words that you say, the things that you don't do that you should do, and the things that you do do that you shouldn't do. And so are you, as a child, walking in the truth of Jesus Christ? Not just saying you are, not just talking a good game when you're at your church, but do you really love Jesus? So obey your parents in the Lord. So are you Christian? And if so, then your one duty is to obey your parents and honor your father and mother. That's it. So if you have this faith in Christ, then you have one thing to do. This is it. Do what they tell you to do. That's it. And do what they tell you to do because you love them. And do what they tell you to do right away, happily, because you love them and you want to honor them. This is all that you have to do, kids, as a Christian child who knows that you have sinned, have turned to Jesus, loving him. You have one thing to do, kids. This is it. Honor your father and mother. Obey your father and mother. This is it. One thing. So how do you do that? What does obeying your parents in the Lord, what does honoring your father and mother look like? First, I have a few things here. Love them. Love your dad and mom. Let me get biological here. Or... Adoptological. We've adopted and we've had biological, and both are ours. You belong to your parents because you're part of them. God has placed them over you, they created you, they adopted you. They love and care and provide for you unlike all others. And so love them. How? You should have more affection for your father and mother than for any other human being in this world. If there is anything that your mom and dad want more than anything else, it's that they have your heart. Unlike anybody else. Friends. You know, famous people. Pastors, that your dad and mom know that there is no competition in your heart for them, that you enjoy being with them from the heart, that you have a desire above all else to please them, that your pleasure is the pleasure of your parents. And that should be true until you gain a spouse. Then your spouse becomes your highest and greatest affection. And so do you love your parents? Do they have your affection? Do you give them your affection? Do you make it known to them? Now this is going to be different for boys and girls. 
Girls will give their affection to their parents differently than boys, and boys will give their affection differently than girls. That's good and, and right. So boys, don't be tempted to think that you got to do it just like your sisters do it. But do your parents have your affection, your fondness? Second, honor. Pastor Jeff talked about this. It is... I want to paint this picture for you kids. Think of somebody in your mind that you think is really, 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 really important. That's like high and powerful. Who, who is that in your mind? All right. Might be a king. Might be G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe's old school. I don't know who's replaced G.I. Joe now, but in my day it was G.I. Joe. Maybe Optimus Prime. Like who's, who's really worthy of highest respect, holding them in highest esteem? Like they, you could talk about them, and if they were there, you'd be quaking in your boots. You'd just be so nervous to want to be pleasing them, to, to honor them. Your parents should hold that highest place in your life. Like you should think of them more highly than anybody else. You should not dare to say anything to them that you wouldn't say to somebody very high and important in our world. You should never find yourself saying anything negative to or negative about your parents because they have the highest honor and regard in your life. And you know you fail at that one in particular. You're often tempted to dishonor your parents. You're often tempted to think pretty bad about them and maybe even to speak badly about them to your friends. And you should never, ever, ever do that. You know your parents' failures better than anybody else. You know your parents' sins better than anybody else. You see them all the time. Honoring your parents is not a matter of them being perfect. It's really a matter of your will, kids. It's really a matter of your choice. That you have to ask God and inside of yourself fight to believe that there's nobody more honorable, more worthy in your life than your dad and your mom. And your words and your actions and your attitude should follow along with your height, heart holding them in highest honor. Now, there will be sometimes, kids, where you'll have to differ with your parents. That you may want to question, especially as you get older, and that's right and good, but you should do it in a way that's like you're speaking to the king and the queen. If you love the king and the queen, there'll be some times where you have to differ with them. You might have to question them, but you have to do it very honorably, just like a wife should do to her husband. If your parents get on you, right, if they're on you about something, they're speaking to you in a way that's very firm and maybe angry, they're ticked at you, and you feel like they're doing it too hard or too often, Put your hand over your mouth. 
You have no right ever to talk back to them, even if you think they're treating you in a way that isn't right. In Genesis 9, 19 to 23, there's this wonderful example of, um, just lost his name, um, the Noah, thank you. Noah, after the flood, was drunk and naked in his tent. He was doing something disgraceful, sinful. And one of his sons, Ham, I know it's a funny name. Notice that a lot of the parents aren't giving their kids that biblical name. Your cat's name is Ham? Yeah, we give our cats names that. That's good. Ham, instead of honoring his father and covering his shame, went and told his other brothers mocking his father. He didn't honor his father. Shem and Jephthah took a, a blanket or a garment and walked backwards and covered their father's shame because they held their father in high regard. Don't be like Ham. Don't be a Ham. Be a Sham. Be a Jephthah. So first, love your parents. Second, hold them in highest regard. Third, obey them. This word means just as simply as you think it means. It means to do what your parents tell you to do. We got to cut through everything else. Obedience means simply doing what your parents tell you to do as opposed to what you want to do. Sometimes those things are going to be at odds. Often they are. Do you know why when your parents tell you to do something you don't want to do it, do you know why that is? Because you're wicked. (laughs) Because you're bad. Because you have a corrupt heart. Do you find in yourself, kids, a consistent opposite desire to do what your parents tell you to do? Do you know why that is? Because you're born in Adam. Because you're fallen. Because you're weak in sin. Before sin, do you know what your heart would have wanted to do? Whatever your parents told you to do. And as a Christian, as somebody who sees and hates and feels the weight of your sin has turned to Jesus, you are to follow, submit, to obey whatever your parents tell you to do. Obedience is the fruit of a heart that honors father and mother. Obedience is how you show your internal honor. So what kind of obedience? Well, first, in Colossians 3.20, it says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So whatever they say, like universal. Unless they're telling you to do something that is disobedient to God, you should always do whatever they tell you to do. So the measure of your honor towards your parents isn't that you obey them when you agree, but it is that you obey them when you disagree, when you don't want to. Another measure of your honor is that you obey your parents when they're not there. Because you know what they want from you. And so you must obey them whether or not theirs. So first universal, second, prompt. Immediate. Right away. Without them ever having to repeat. 
If your parent has to tell you a second time, you've entered the land of disobedience. So you do what your parents tell you to do, and you do it quickly, right away, and then cheerfully, gladly. Any kind of grumbling is again to enter the land of disobedience. Some of you like to often obey your parents, but making sure your parents know how displeased you are in your obedience. And then you pat yourself on the back for how obedient you've been. You're lying to yourself. You're a liar. That's not obedience. That's disobedience. It's awful. And you know how awful it is because if you're an older sibling with a younger sibling and you ever ask your younger sibling to do something and they do what you do to your parents, you get so angry at them. And so you're proving to yourself how disobedient you are. There is nothing so lovely and commendable and wonderful than an obedient child. Do you know this? Okay, so I just want you to get this into your head. There is nothing in your life as a child in your parents' home that you should think is as beautiful, is as commendable, is as worthy than you obeying your parents. That is the most beautiful thing that could be about you, that you give your parents obedience. Exactly what they say, right away, happily. Let me talk especially to older children. Here I'm talking, you know, those of you who are, uh, voices are changing. (laughs) You know what I mean, right? Uh, This week I I read something and I want to read it to you. So so bear with me here. Because this issue is especially important when you get older. In the case of older children, he's speaking to parents here, but kids pay attention. In the case of older children, all other correction than that of rebuke is, of course, out of the question. So parents, kids, when you're older, when you've gone through puberty, when you're 12, 13, 14, 15, your parents really don't have any other option for your disobedience than talking to you about it, rebuking you. They can't spank you anymore because you're bigger than they are. It doesn't hurt, and it's embarrassing. You're too old. And so really all that they have left now is words. That's it. Now he speaks to you. But where this kind of rebuke is necessary, such young persons have earned it. They should have exercised submission. Listen to this. It is exceedingly painful when a parent In addition to the extreme pain which it costs him to administer reproof, right? It's very painful for a parent to have to rebuke or reprove an older child. It's very painful. Has to endure the anguish produced by their indifference, by their smiling contempt. There is nothing so difficult for a parent who has to rebuke an older child to get that little smirk. Don't, don't, you should feel really awful right now because you do this. It's awful for you to do that to your parent. Okay? So, 
This anguish produced by your indifference, your smiling contempt, your sullen murmuring, and your insolent replies. This conduct is the more guilty because you have arrived in an age when your parents have supposed you to advance in your growth so that this is no longer necessary. They've laid the foundations of parental authority and that they can now relax the reins of parental discipline. If you have committed an error deserving reproof, do not commit another in resenting it. Keep still within. Do not let your passions rebel against your judgment. Suppress the rising tumult in your soul. There are so many teenagers in this room who handle this so dishonorably to your parents. And it is very sinful and awful. It shouldn't happen. The conduct of some children after being reproved is a deeper wound on the heart of the parent than that which preceded and deserved the reproof. Do you understand what he said there? The initial sin isn't the main problem. It's how you respond when your parent calls you on it. That's the problem. Listen to this. On the other hand, I know not a greater mark of nobleness of mind. I don't know a better trait of a young person nor of anything that raises a young person higher in our esteem or endears them more to our hearts than humble submission to reproof and confession of his fault. A friend of mine had a son, long since deceased, who having one day displeased his father in front of his younger brothers and sisters, not only meekly submitted to his father's rebuke, But when the family were to dinner table, rose before them all and confessed his fault, begged his father's forgiveness, admonished his younger children to be warned by his example, to never distress their parents as he had done. Nothing could be more lovely or more impressive. He rose by his apology to a higher place in our regard and esteem than he ever occupied before his fault. Sullenness, impertinence, obstinate resistance, our meanness, cowardice, littleness compared with such an action as this, when combined with a heroic magnanimity with the profoundest humility. Teens, I love you. This really has to stop in your household. You are really, really hurting your parents. It's very frustrating to them. It shouldn't be named among you. And when you sin, own it. Confess it. Don't talk back when they're on you about it. Accept it humbly. So what does it look like to obey your parents? It means doing what they say, doing what they say right away, doing what they say cheerfully. And next, seek your parents' wisdom. I'm going to have to run now. I'm not going to go into detail. Just as you get older, involve your parents in your lives. It's very honoring to them. When your parents get older, provide for them. Help them. Don't stick them away and visit them once a year. Care for them. Invite them into your home. Have them over. I have two other considerations, kids. I, I know I'm 
kind of transgressing on your patience. This has been long. Make it a little bit longer. I think these two things are very important in our day. If you have your Bibles out, I want you to turn to Proverbs with me one. This is maybe the temptation other than disobedience to your parents that you're going to face. This is a common temptation to us all. In Proverbs 1, verse 8, just listen. So here's a a father pleading with his son. Proverbs is just that. It's a father writing to probably his teenage son. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Fathers, this is a good tone to take with your teenage children, a pleading. Son, listen, please. All right, look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent. Look at verse 13. We will find precious goods. We will fill our houses with plunder. All right, so here's what's going on. How many of you have friends who have said, hey, let's go kill somebody? You ever face that temptation? Probably not. Solomon here is using a pretty extreme example to get at a very common reality. We called it peer pressure in my day. It's this common temptation for you to want to be included and for you to want to get something without doing the work to get it. Those two temptations. There is this thing going on in our culture called the woke mob. Have you heard of this? It's this political correctness, this correctness that's unbiblical in relation to sex and gender equality and racism and so on. All of this pressure for you to do things that are outside of scripture because you just want to be included with the cool kids. This is common no matter how old you are, no matter what sex you are. We want in the workplace, in the home, with our friends to be accepted. We want to be in, not out. We want to be cool, not lame. We, we, we want to be in the cool group. And this pressure happens all, all over. And the reason it happens because there's an appeal to get something. So Solomon is hitting on this pattern common in our lives that you have to see. He wants to teach you wisdom, and he's teaching you wisdom by saying, hey, there is going to be this pattern that happens all throughout your life. You'll feel it acutely in your teenage years and into your 20s, where you just can't stand being rejected. That's because at your age, you're starting to differentiate from your parents. You're you're starting to want to find inclusion in some group outside of mom and dad. And how you appear takes on huge importance at that age. And so you're particularly susceptible to people putting pressure on you to be included under the promise of getting something good. Do you understand the pattern I'm talking about? You do it within your own sibling group. Older siblings are cooler, and they can get younger siblings to do things that they shouldn't do out of the fear of rejection. See the pattern? You know the pattern I'm talking about here, right? So how do you fight that temptation? 
How do you not give in to the cool kids and be one of those kids that everybody thinks, like, I just can't get them to do what I want to do? That's what you want to be. How do you do that? Well, go back to Genesis 3. God gave you work to do. God made you, gave you a body, gave you a mind, gave you a soul to do good work. And that work will always earn reward. We're supposed to work in order to be fruitful. But the work now is cursed because of sin, and the work now only accomplishes the fruitfulness by the sweat of the brow and with thorns and thistles. It's hard. So the temptation is to try to find the lazy way to get the reward without the thorns and the thistles. Don't you hate me? Thank you, Jeff. That's because I'm talking to your kids and not you. I'm talking to you too. So you have to realize that the temptation from the woke mob is to get the reward without the thorns and the thistles. It's to get the gain without sowing the seed. It's to not do the hard work to take the responsibility to get the reward. And so they promise you inclusion. They promise you the cheap reward. And you're only sowing your own destruction. You'll always reap what you sow. That's how you avoid it. This is the God-ordained covenantal reality in this world. You will reap what you sow. If you sow giving in to the cool kids, if you sow trying to get cheap reward, you'll reap destruction. This is what Solomon's telling his son. Son, listen, don't go by the wayward woman. You'll have to marry a woman. You'll have to work hard to to arouse her, (laughs) to date her, to love her. To get her to love you and give herself to you, if you try it the cheap way, if you try it the prostitute way, if you try it the young girl who without a father and you can smell that she's an easy mark, if you try it that way, you'll reap destruction. You'll always reap what you sow, kid. And so kids, you got to work hard. You have to set your mind to do it God's way. Because it's right. It works. That's the first one. The second one. You were brought into this world as a child to grow up. Us as parents don't want you around forever. We do, but we don't. We do want you to visit. We want you to get married and have kids and bring them over and go home. This is a really good and glorious thing, and we want you to do it Christianly. There's nothing happier for us than to see you marry somebody else who's godly, because you're godly, to have a bunch of godly kids to be trying hard, failing all over the place, being in a church, loving it. We want that for you. But the point is, we're bringing you into this world and trying to raise you to maturity, to grow in wisdom, to the ability to provide yourself, to marry, to build a home. This is good and right. Okay, so the maturity process goes like this. As you mature, 
there are freedoms and privileges that come along the way with that maturity. And as you grow, you want them. You want more freedoms. You want more privileges. But you know what you often don't want? The responsibility that earns them. (laughs) You know what I mean, kids? Okay, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I notice that uh, kids want, let's say, the the freedom and responsibility, or the freedom and privilege of having a smartphone. This is candy for kids now. Oh, baby. You don't want just anyone. You want the latest iPhone or the latest Galaxy blah, 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 you know? It costs you $1,200 and you demand it. It's a right. It's a privilege. It's a freedom. But you know what I, I honestly don't see kids saying? Hey, mom and dad, can I pay for my own car insurance? Can I take some responsibility, mom and dad? Mom and dad, I would like the responsibility of paying for my own gas. I would like the responsibility, if I get a phone, to pay for it, to pay for the data plan. I would like the responsibility of doing my own laundry. So here's another way that God has made the world. Freedoms and privileges are freely given to people who first take responsibility, who ask for it. Or let's say you want the freedom of you deciding who you get to hang out with and how long you get to hang out with them. Curfew. You'll get that if you'll take on responsibility. Jesus said to somebody who was faithful over a little bit, well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little, I'm going to give you much more. Enter into the joy of your master. God has written in this world that he gives to those who have proved faithful with what you've already been given. Our world is lying to you over and over and over again that you deserve freedom. You deserve these privileges no matter how you live or no matter how you act. And your parent is watching you, wanting to raise you to maturity and knows that one of the greatest dangers for your soul is to give you a bunch of these freedoms and privileges without you being responsible. Parents, do not give your kids freedoms and privileges until they are proving responsibility with little things. They do have to earn it. And kids, earn it. Honestly, ask for more responsibility. Dad, I'd like the responsibility of taking care of mowing the lawn. You'll be surprised at the freedoms and privileges that come if you'll start being a kid like that, of growing up, taking it, not not having to be given it. This is how the world works. All right, I've said enough, almost. Lastly, God offers reward. This is the first command with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. God is a God who rewards his children gladly. God is a God who rewards his children lavishly. God is a God who rewards his children eternally. 
So let me just ask you, do you want it to go well with you? That's what he's setting before you. Do you want it to go well with you? If so, then you have one thing to do. Obey and honor your father and mother. That's it. And I want, I want to just close with this. Kids, you matter greatly to God. He's speaking directly to you. Don't forget Jesus welcomed the children and fought off those who wanted to keep that distance. You deeply matter to him and to us. Let's pray. Father, give us help. We are sinful, rebellious, wicked. We fight against authority, especially our parents. Forgive us for this. Give us hearts that want to love them and honor them and obey them and care for them. And so, God, I pray that in the hearts of these children, they might turn to you in seeking forgiveness and you might work in them a real and deep affection for their parents, a desire to hold them in a higher regard and esteem and honor than anybody else they know, and to let their actions and their words follow that. And so, God, have mercy on them. Have mercy on us as parents. This is a very difficult dance. We're not good at it. We need your mercy We feel our failure as fathers and mothers. We know we're not good. Kids, they feel their their failure. So God, have mercy on us, please. Strengthen us to do this and to do it to your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Children, the charge is this. This is hard, what I've called you to. And I want you to know, and my wife encouraged me to say this, that God's grace is for you in this. He is sufficient for you to obey and honor your parents. You're not left alone to do it in your own strength. You won't be able to. And so kids, in the strength that God supplies, for the sake of your dad and mom who do love you, do set your heart on one thing, to highly esteem your father and mother so that it would go well with you. This is honestly for you that it may go well with you. And may the peace of God be to you and God's love with strengthened faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen. God bless you in the Lord. Have a good week in the Lord and I love you.